Hello everybody and welcome to Kane and Rince Sound of Play 19. With Sound of Play we bring you an eclectic fortnightly compilation mix of some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the years. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this Sound of Play, Tony Atkins of Kane and Rince. Hello. And Sean Bell, not of Kane and Rince. Hello. Although you might as well be, you've been on. You've been on. It's, get, it's getting more consistent now, isn't it? I think I'm. It is. <laughs> we could nab him. It's good. <laughs> Always a joy to have you. Uh, you recently joined us for God Hand and Too Human of all things. Mm. Yeah, interesting. We've given all the games that other people don't want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got the most hipster tastes. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. As he's just proved with his with his <laughs> opening track there that no one's ever heard before. But I, I've 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 checked it out and it's I thought it was rather gorgeous. So uh, what's that all about? What the Dickens did we just hear, Sean? Um, you just heard Shadows by Helena Heron, um, which was now right. So this is on the soundtrack for the Yorg. I'm not actually 100 percent sure if it's in the game, so I may have cheated. Um, I I think it's the song that plays when you get the good ending, but I've never managed that, and I don't know anyone who has. (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, So for those who are not aware, the Yorg is like a it's like a multiplayer choose your own adventure game, Um, but it's it's absolutely fascinating. Soundtrack. Got some sort of random generate, randomly generated uh, elements, isn't that right? Yeah, basically, so you sort of you, every sort of week you pick um, like a certain area of town to go to, and you sort of get into weird situations and do things, and like the stuff you do sort of has effects on things later on. It's all really nicely done, um, uh, really beautiful art style as well. Uh, the bulk of the soundtrack um, is actually done by Ryan Roth. Um, who did uh, he did the start the soundtrack for Starseed Pilgrim, um, which I've never played, but everyone tells me um, it is great, um, and mm-hmm. the soundtrack is like a a major part of that. I think it's uh, it does the whole smart sort of procedural generation thing, mm. um, whereas the Yorg is is a bit more straightforward. But yeah, and he collaborated with Helena Heron, who um, she is a musician in her own right. Um, she's also doing the soundtrack to Moon Hunters, which was kickstarted a few months back, which I actually backed and then forgot about and then was skint when the money was supposed to come out. So I haven't <laughs> backed it. Um, ah. And she also, uh, she does stuff with Dames Making Games as well, I believe. Um, but yeah, like all, all like her solo, like her, you know, music that she's put out outside of video games is, is all great as well. Mm. Um, this song in particular, um, was stuck in my head when I had a really surreal week at work. Um, back when I was still working catering in a um, like an old uh, sort of mansion estate, surrounded by deer. <laughs> uh, surrounded by deer, and also this one particular week, I was we got a load of new outdoor furniture, and I had to stain it all. Mm. Um, and I basically and and that week, um, I was, so yeah, I was basically in the courtyard. We were closed for the week, and I was just in the courtyard, just painting loads of furniture. And for some reason, we had loads of fog, even though it was like March, so it was really warm. And there was loads of f- it was just like absolutely surreal. And for some reason, this song was like looping in my head the entire time. I can, I can, I can it was, picture. <laughs> yeah. I can picture it. Um, so yeah. Is that really part of a catering contract? Staining wood. wood staining oh man, furniture? I I had to do all sorts of things. Oh, that is another podcast in itself. <laughs> I assure you. <laughs> do what needs must. Eh? <laughs> the uh, the uh, what's the word? Tasks of Sean. Mm. Uh, I had very, actually. You'll show. you'll like this. Um, one of the bakers used to call me O'Shea. No. Sean O'Shea. 
It was a, apparently a footballer who's played in like every position, including goal. Oh, John O'Shea. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's a utility man. As, that's as the yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I get it. Yeah. No, that's quite cool. <laughs> yeah. So this was a, a 2013 uh, indie game by Damien Sommer. It's mm. available on Steam and presumably elsewhere to download from their own site or whatever. Um, but yeah, it looks interesting. I, I am not familiar with it, but well. Now I am somewhat more so. Mm. Now we have our first community request for the podcast. And, uh, well, this is a game I remember not completing. Uh, but let's hear from Retro Thumbs and talk about it a bit after the track. Retro Thumbs says, uh, Not much vid- video game music has truly stayed with me, but this tune from 1990 has. To this day, I'll be caught humming it around the house whilst doing monotonous jobs presumably like staining garden furniture. My mate's brother would allow us to play on his Amiga when he was out of the house. We'd look through his shelves full of big Amiga boxes. We always seem to put on a Psygnosis game first. Clearly the box art, impressive intros, voice samples and crisp graphics captivated us. When we saw his new games bundle, we threw this on straight away. The game is the killing game show and the track I'd like to share is the one which you play along to. Although some of the magic has rubbed off, on, uh, rubbed off this track through time, I'll never forget the wailing guitar and the little Ed 209 ripoff character. Some things just can't be forgotten.
So uh, the thing that I always want to say about the Killing Game Show, which makes me sound like a, uh, a hipster, there's that word again, is actually it makes me think of um, this. This whole thing makes me think of when I was like a young man into music and people like my uncle, who's a bit older than me, who was into contemporary music from the sort of uh, late 60s onwards, mm. would say, well, David Bowie did it first, you know, or, or, <laughs> or, or Mark, Mark Boland did it first. So I'm that guy now with video games. And when when Braid came out, I was like, well, the Killing Game Show did it first, you know, <laughs> also known as Fatal Rewind um, on uh, on its console port to, to the Mega Drive or Genesis. This was, uh, interestingly, this was a game by Raising Hell Software, which probably doesn't mean much to you unless you know that they became bizarre creations. Oh, okay. Um, of course, oh, wow. who went on to make Formula One and then Project Gotham and uh, the Geometry Wars series that we'll be covering mm. for the podcast shortly. Uh, so yes, that that really took me back because it's not uh, not uh, of the Amiga tunes. I've shared a few on this uh, Sound of Play already. Um, that was not one of the ones that I'd kind of remembered that fondly. But hearing it again because I haven't listened to it every three weeks like I do with certain Chris Hulsbeck tracks. <laughs> like That took me right back 25 years straight away, and uh, and uh, it was good for all that. Yeah, so Killing Game Show, you played a little Ed 209 ripoff, as, as Retro Thumb says, and it was also it also had elements of the game Nebulous, um, which oh, was yeah. known, known as Tower Toppler um, in America and on consoles. So you're kind of going round the outside, 2D platforming, of, of a sort of wraparound location um, and also scaling. So there's also a little element of Rainbow Islands because you're constantly going up above uh, a, a, a water, a rising water level. And, um, and yeah, the, the, the gimmick was, and I don't think this had been done before to my knowledge, it was, was that you could rewind if you died. Um, so when I, was, when I watched that famous video of Braid, that guy reviewing it with his... <laughs> friends going there ain't no point to the game um, <laughs> i was thinking yeah yeah maybe maybe he's got a point uh, i think it's unbelievable that the sound that the amiga was making to produce that track oh yeah i mean the amiga was great at samples there was a there's an st version of that track too uh which i'm less familiar with um but yeah it's quite it's quite interesting hearing the different um versions because obviously the st was a great music machine because of its midi import uh, it, mm. MIDI in port and all that, but the Amiga um, just was able to just kick out samples and some seriously beefy synthesizer sounds and stuff like that as well. So yeah, yeah. I like that it's got. I know you've mentioned this on the show before, but it's got that really obnoxious hard stereo panning <laughs> on it as well. This <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm not sure which. Um, sometimes we we try to get a slightly corrected version or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, it depends where w- what the source is. So um, it may be that our listeners have been treated to to um to that full in full effect just there with um some some games are worse for it than others but yeah sometimes it'll be all the drums and the bass in the left ear and <laughs> all all the all the uh melody in the right ear but as i say well that's how early beatles records were when they first went to stereo so you know but that was experimental <laughs> was, no i think that was just that we used to have a we used to have a when i used to work in catering myself we had a you know a tape deck because mm-hmm. it was the uh, late 80s early 90s and we used to play music over it and there was only one speaker and it wasn't you know it wasn't mono corrected <laughs> so so when people used to bring in the beatles you'd just get like an it- a cappella uh, mm-hmm. Beatles track. It is actually quite funny. I've, I've recently been listening to a lot of Beatles again. Um, I think everyone goes through that stage, don't they? But um, because it's so, I guess, 
so simple in the way that it separates tracks to the left and mm. right. It almost feels, once again, ahead of its time now, because now you'd never dare to do anything as brazen as, ah, oh, everything's on the left, everything's on the right. <laughs> so it just it feels quite... I don't know, quite complex the way that that's set up now, yet it's actually the most simplest things that were just yeah, messing around with new technology. It's a, it's a funny yeah. thing, because like in the case of the Beatles, like you say, that was like legitimate experimentation, mm. whereas in the case of like Amiga Gamers, was it just them being like, right, peop- like, peop- we want to make sure people know this is in stereo so they can play it to people and go, <laughs> yeah. look, listen, listen, it's different. on it. Um, stereo sound. Yeah, so yeah. you know, to the point that they, like I say, they make it sort of quite that's obnoxious. That's a good question, but- actually. I wonder if we have uh, correspondents who who would know that. I, I mm. assumed it was. I always assumed it was technical. Uh, it was something technical. But thinking mm. about it, they weren't all like that. So, mm. Mm. yeah, interesting. Anyone know? Mm. Let us know. Tony, something very different. Uh, this is in stereo in a in a much more natural way. I'm sure. <laughs> um, Tuna Moon is one of those rare games where I connect with the characters as if they were real people. Uh, they've made me laugh, cry, get angry with some of their decisions. So when the story was unfolding, you could feel their pain, their sadness, their joy, and heartbreak. It's a game that proves you don't need good graphics or cutting-edge gameplay to be fully immersed and sold within a virtual world. With a plot that deals with dead Beth wishes, a complex look at Asperger Syndrome, you could be overwhelmed by the whole ordeal, but the story is delicately handled, and the accompanying music plays a central part in being engulfed by the tale. There are three versions of this track, all with a slightly different approaches as the scenes require, but I've gone with the main theme, which is kind of a cover-all version. Uh, the other two themes, there's, there's like a, a, a fully um, piano version, um, which both of which are very, very short. Um, it, the song itself has a really, it's really quite weirdly laid out. It's got like this 16-bit old undertones, but over the top of it, it's got modern violins that play. So it feels very much like a, a a concurrent new and old track kind of interlaced both together um the track is really both full of sadness and hope i'm sure if you played the game this will actually probably bring back the tears that the actual game did um the story is fantastic there's no point going into the show and spoiling how it plays out so it's cheap it's available on the pc um, and it's well worth checking out so this is main theme uh to to the moon
So that's by Can Gao, uh, mm. also known as Reeves, for reasons I can't remember. If we looked at <laughs> up, uh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he is actually a trained pianist, isn't he? I think. I'm sure I read somewhere. Sounds like it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, game developer. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, they're not always. It's true. Um, yeah, so we covered uh, to the moon just over a year ago at the time of recording in Kane and Rince issue one hundred and thirty-four, and it was uh, it was a, a, an emotional show. I mean, we you know each of us have our own experiences and not necessarily ones that directly relate to the characters in the game. But it's a game that I think. Um, yeah, it, it, it is. So it's hard not to be touched by it. I think mm. you, it's one of those where you have to more be... than some of his parts. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think that's true as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and that's uh, oh, that's 2011 now to the moon. Um, and more recently, Kangal's released uh, another game, uh, a bird story. Is that right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which shamefully I've not played yet, and I don't think I no. know anyone who has. No, no. me neither. <laughs> considering my love for the for to the moon, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I think it's it's a pseudo follow up to, uh, to right. the moon. I, I know yeah. it has elements and characters that come into it. I don't think it's based within the same. Uh, yeah, story, is it like it is same yeah, universe. set within? Yeah, so yeah, I was going to say set within the same world, but not strictly a follow up. Yeah, because as we discussed, it is a it is a sci fi tale, effectively, yeah. because mm. of um, because of the the technology that's on show, mm-hmm. and um, and they do allude to into the moon this sort of wider world and and uh, the way they exist in this future society. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, it does seem weird given what a, a kind of. Uh, a critical darling um, that was, and and a great word of mouth game generally. Yeah, yeah. That I haven't heard so much about about that. Maybe, maybe whereas to the moon came out at some perfect window, um, and actually maybe it took to the moon a few years to kind of gain traction. Yeah, so yeah, I think to the moon was quite a slow burner. It's like you say, it did a lot on uh, word of mouth. I think mm-hmm. um, I, it just seems a shame that you know when Bird Story came out, there must have been yeah this element of like yeah. ah, well, it's not to the moon too, is it? So. Mm. Mm. <laughs> the, the game's fascination itself it, it was designed in RPG Maker um, yeah, that's right. clearly I don't think the music was because it seems to be a lot more deeper than mm. uh, than that but uh, like I say it's a, a real interesting mix of you know both old and new kind of installed together it's it's uh, mm. quite a complex track um, and I quite like that there's just a piano version um, and, yeah. and it's really good it's it's maybe hits you a little bit more, but uh, I think you kind of need to have played the game uh, to kind of understand, understand where that version of the track's coming from. So yeah, yeah. if you have like the, the way, game, um, it's easier. Like the game opens with uh, For River, doesn't it? That song mm-hmm. that sort of yeah. underpins the entire game. And like, and at the beginning, it's like, oh, this is kind of nice and a bit sad. Um, and then by the end of the game, like <laughs> for, but for the rest of your life, you'll not be able to hear that without getting incredibly sad. Yeah, yeah. So- <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, the, uh, the this track has inspired you to to check it out. It's, it's mm. well worth, and I'm sure anyone's PC will be able to run it. It's uh, oh, yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah. simple. So, from uh, piano led pians to uh, life altering mental health conditions to uh... <laughs> I know why I laughed at that first track. <laughs> <laughs> it's the juxtaposition, the crashing juxtaposition yeah. <laughs> that, that that we 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 embrace here on on Sound of Play. Two uh, mid nineteen eighties uh, coin op theme uh, remixed in a dubstep style. <laughs> right. So this is uh, this is the Space Harrier theme uh, by uh, Sega's amazing Hiroshi Kawaguchi. Um, Space Harrier was a game. I've, I've said this on podcast before, but probably not on Kane and Rince. Um, certainly not on Sound of Play. Space Harrier was one of those games where the first time I saw it. Uh, I was proper, properly 
awestruck and my jaw properly dropped uh slack jawed i walked onto the what was known as the palace pier back in the 80s mm-hmm. they had two pedestals at the front of the largest arcade there were there were two big arcades on the pier um and on both of these pedestals front and center of the arcade they had two full-size hydraulic space oh. cabinets both blaring out welcome to the fantasy zone get ready and <laughs> hearing this dun, 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 this baseline um that we're about to hear it was and the j- those 3d sprite scaling graphics i'd already seen um hang on of course uh which which predated this but you know that was motorbikes and it was cool and uh, and i liked it but this was two-headed dragons and there was a man <laughs> with a flying gun sean or a it? flying man with a gun <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, Who knows? Yeah. It was. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the gaming equivalent of, of does a does a tree falling in the forest when no one's around make a sound. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Anyway, it, it blew me away uh, visually. Um, I found the game incredibly difficult to play when mm-hmm. I was thirteen years old. It was it was it seemed ludicrously fast um, <laughs> and and impossible to dodge things. I've now got it on my 3ds. Of course, there's a wonderful emulation of it by M2 on on the 3ds 3D series, which is which is uh, just spot on. Um, and I still love this tune. Now, this is a remix from uh, someone or somebody, uh, a man or a woman or a conglomerate, I have no idea, called Big Twice. But uh, I own this on vinyl, uh, thanks to the Push Start um, Art of Video Games book, which comes with a 10-inch yellow vinyl disc. Hopefully <laughs> you also get a download code, because uh, I don't own a, a vinyl music player. Um, so enjoy it, and then I'll talk a little bit about the book afterwards.
Yeah, so it's not really full-on dubstep, as you heard, but there's a little nod a little nod to dubstep in the middle there, which just makes me giggle. Um, so the thing I wanted to say about the Push Start book is it, it, you can get it from uh, Amazon and other online book retailers, and it's a very large format coffee table art book. Has it, have either of you seen it? I haven't, I have. no. Yeah, okay. I have. It's a nice book, um, but I have a couple of issues with it as – uh, as as a uh, somebody who is um, very into uh, older video games, all the the uh, reproductions of the sprite art from uh, the sixty eight sixteen bit eras uh, it looks great, but the uh, screenshots of vector graphics games are abominable. <laughs> they are, they are all they look like they were they were um, rendered in, like on, on emulation, so they've got all the pixelation you can muster in them, mm. and then just printed out. I don't know, they look like EGA graphics or something. It's, it's awful. The point about vector monitors is that they have no pixelation, yeah, zero yeah, yeah. pixelation. So when I see a screenshot of Asteroids or Tempest or Battlezone, I don't want to see massive jaggies all over it. <laughs> and, and and if you're making an art book of video games, which which is a great thing to do, and I, and I really like that I bought this book and that it exists, but they did such a disservice to some seriously important graphics. Mm. And then actually also when you get into the modern era as well, everything sort of post-HD era, the graphics, the, the prints on, on those aren't the same quality either. They're very smeary looking and um, not as, as, as pristine as you'd like. So I think, I think uh, makers of this book, I think it's, uh, it's Scandinavian or German or, some, or Danish. I I'm not sure. But anyway, I, I think a second edition is in order with, with improved, uh, improved shots of certain games because I think, you know, even as a – as like a, an educational thing to show somebody that those pictures of those those games like asteroids you, you would just think well okay so all games back then were really pixelated and uh, and no no <laughs> i think it needs a foreword by leon cox in front of this book <laughs> yes <laughs> um, but, um, with, oh go on sorry now i was gonna say back to the, tr- the track itself yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a uh, yeah i think a classic gaming tracks and um you know you know, the little tunes that get stuck in your head and just you know, going back and, and listening to it again, refreshing my mind and hearing the... Mm. Da, 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 Are you making it sound like Blake 7? Oh, man. It, <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones is like coming back home to like an old place in your head somewhere that you, yeah. you haven't heard. I haven't heard that track in years. The moment I heard it, I was there on the couch, you know, just witnessing playing it again. So, um, awesome. I was going to say... Uh, with regards to this, and I know, Leon, you've played um, Turrican stuff before. Oh, yes. Are you familiar with um, a guy called Andrew Diamond, a.k.a. Juracell? I don't think so. Well, uh, I don't know if he's still active or not. This is um, going back a while now, and I uh, saw him live a couple of times. Basically, he's um, a French guy who plays uh, chiptune stuff, um, mm. but he does it by like just through his drum kit. Um, so he's he's playing okay. the drums and basically each drum has like a MIDI trigger on it. Um, so he's oh, like he's, so he's pre-programmed all the synths and basically hitting certain drums like triggers certain parts of the music and stuff. Hmm. It's absolutely fascinating and yeah, really cool. That sounds um, really cool. I'm pretty sure he's he's all over YouTube now. If you like, this oh, is like when I when I was listening to him. This is back in the day we had to download videos. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Um, so <laughs> say so, yeah. the name again for me and our listeners. Uh, well, he goes by Duracell. But obviously, that's hard to Google for. So, you search for, <laughs> search for Andrew Diamond. Um, you should Excellent. find him. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good info. Mm. Now, next up, uh, it's very much Sean Bell's Wheelhouse. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, Thinker by Kota Hoshino. Um, 
This is from Armoured Core 4, and it is in many ways uh, dreadful. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, something absolutely fascinates me about the Armoured Core 4 soundtrack. There's, um, there's on, uh, not on this track, there's another track from Armoured Core 4. One of the comments was just this guy, um, I couldn't find it, I was going to try and find it so I could read it out, but I'll just do it from memory. Basically, this guy explaining that, like, he's like, oh, guys, I was just listening to this song. And like, and I looked in the doorway to my room, and my dad was stood there, and he was crying. And I asked him what was wrong, and <laughs> and apparently his dad used to be a musician, and this guy was crying because um, because he like he'd always dreamed of creating such a bizarre fusion of genres <laughs> as as he was hearing in the Armored Core wow. Four soundtrack. Um, and yeah, and apparently it just like wrecked him just hearing it. Um, I I just find them fascinating because I cannot understand what Kota is trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Fair, um, fair like not only musically, but like the lyrics as well. So the lyrics of this song, um, there's a few bouncing around because people just sort of try and listen to it and try and figure out uh, what he's saying. Because he's Japanese, um, but all the lyrics are in English. Um, and he's trying to say something, mm. but I don't know what. Um, <laughs> the actual lyrics for this are, uh, I'm a thinker, uh, I could t- no, I could break you now. I'm a shooter. Trust me, baby. Um, jump in as you feel it in the will. Come together, peaceful with me. Now, I want that on my tombstone. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously. Um, but it's great because you look at again. You look at the comments for these songs on on YouTube, and everyone's like, "Oh no, 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 no these are the lyrics." And it's like stuff about deep sea creatures. And stuff, <laughs> and then even better is you get people like you go on OC Remix, and people have done their own mix of these songs where they're singing the wrong lyrics, yeah, and it sounds hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's no, no official documentation. To, the, the, the lyrics I gave are apparently the official ones, and like oh, okay. li- listening to it, like they definitely sound the closest. Um, yeah. So yeah, just a very very odd song. Just really strange how he always like he he sort of pays. Um, lip service to sort of typical um sort of anime uh mecha soundtracks and there's like there's mm. like you know there's there's electric guitars but there's also like stupid orchestra stabs all over the place and then <laughs> a, a rock drum kit um which is usually a a, a bad fit if you ask me but um, <laughs> but yeah like he apparently he can't do sheet music at all so um yeah. i know he you've mentioned on the show before like a lot of um composers like obviously they don't have the funds to actually employ an actual orchestra to yeah. um, do stuff, and they just have to use synthesized ones. I guess in this guy's case, is he literally wouldn't even be able to tell an orchestra what to do. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> probably not. Um, yeah, I, natural it, talent. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, I just I just find it weirdly fascinating, mm. despite it being kind of awful and cringeworthy. Yeah, I, so I found it. I, I, I checked it out in advance mm. of recording, and I, I think it's rather interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Check it out, listeners. See what you think. Here's Maverick composer Kota Hoshino with uh, Thinker from Armored Core 4.
ego. I was actually, um, for the show, I was trying to look up um, what he's doing now. Um, he's like he's yeah. still with From Software, um, but obviously they haven't yeah. put an Armored Core game out for like two, three years. Um, and he, he only works on Armored Core. Mm. Like he hasn't worked on Dark Souls. In fact, his... Um, well, exactly. I mean, his uh, his Wikipedia page um, says, oh, yeah, he's employed by From Software and works on their flagship series, Armored Core, which I, I don't think has been updated mm. for a couple of years now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, let me think. What's From Software's flagship series? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, to be fair, though, Armored mm. Core is just as hardcore as any dark Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could, you yeah. could argue, obviously, From have been doing Armored Core for... Um, about a, about a decade, a something game. like that, maybe more. Um, yeah, because it's been since the PS One days, isn't yeah. it? So, um, mm. so I suppose like historically, yes, it's still their main thing. Um, oh, yeah. But they've just kind of dropped it by the wayside since Dark Souls took off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I can imagine we'll be looking uh, for Hoshino San to do the music for Dark Souls Kart <laughs> or you know whatever mm. whatever we get now that they're going to make the Dark Souls franchise. Sorry, mm-hmm. but you know it's going to happen. Right. Uh, something else, uh, something somewhat ridiculous from uh, Metal Gear Rising. This is uh, Scrussel, community member who posted at com slash forum. He says, I'd like to suggest the only thing I know for real, and it's the Maniac Agenda mix uh, by Jamie Christofferson. Uh, from Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. I hate that word, <laughs> Revengeance. It's not a real word. Like most of the soundtrack of the game, it's bombastic and cheesy and full of noodly guitars, but it's also really exhilarating and complements the game perfectly and never fails to get you excited. This particular track is the theme of Jetstream Sam, one of the main antagonists. So it has some extra instruments in it that evoke the character's backstory with Japan and Brazil. It makes the track stand out and gives it an extra layer.
So Jamie Christofferson is uh, a composer who uh, also works on films, although um, one of those films apparently is Boa versus Python, <laughs> which I can only imagine is a sort of anaconda type uh, type ripoff. Ten years ago, he worked on The Crow, Wicked Prayer, uh, which I, sounds like a straight-to-DVD mm. uh, successor to The Crow. But more positively, um, he's worked on some uh, some games uh, such as Lost Planet 2. That's not the one you love, is it? No, no, 2's the good one. 3's dreadful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2's the, good, two's the one you like. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, 3's the bad one. Right, okay. Yeah, so wow. he worked on Lost Planet 2. There you go. Um, yeah, thanks for that, Scrussell. And again... Uh, our mood and tone <laughs> change in the breeze. Uh, I wasn't expecting this one. Um, it's, you it's tweeted a bit left earlier. Field. Yeah, you tweeted. Uh, it's like it's so mainstream. It's completely left field, <laughs> or, or vice versa. It's funny, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll get get it out there. What I picked first, just and then talk about it. So I've gone with the main theme too: Angry Birds. Hmm. Yes, Angry Birds, you heard that right. Um, the two billion downloads across <laughs> all platforms since... And that was the figures in 2014. I'm sure it's It hasn't probably, gone up much recently, I, put it that way. I'm sure it's had a few more uh, since then. So let's just say round it out at 2.5. Um, <laughs> Crikey, I think you're pushing it there. <laughs> there or thereabouts. Um, so, so why go with something so populist? And uh, part of this is actually um, is because of that very reason. I... You know, I think we look at the mobile phone platforms, and we don't actually on Kane and Rinse. We're very, very open about um, what you know can be reviewed on this show, and there's no reasons why we wouldn't tackle a Kane and Rinse show. Although there has been so many versions of it, I'm not too sure how we'd go about that. But mm. um, I have a, a fairly big uh, library of um, game music, and you know, a lot of it involves you know Bioshock soundtracks and To the Moon, etc. You know, you know, quite you know dark and moody i'd say a lot a lot of the stuff um yeah. and i was just happened to be listening today i you know i had my other tracks all set in place and in between all these quite dark and moody tracks along came this you know ditty that just somehow cut between everything and it went something like this and i was like oh man i haven't heard that in a very very long time and like most people you know i played my fair share of Angry Birds when it came out and probably haven't been back to it since, you know, 2009. And that's no bad thing because it's kind of a one-trip pony that, you know, has worked many, many times, I guess, for them. 2.5 billion downloads would suggest it's probably <laughs> the the tune that has seen the most airtime of any of the songs we probably picked on uh, Sound of Play. It's a fair point. Although, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true actually, and people will have heard it because it does play on startup, and you can't skip it instantly. So yeah, no. it's, yeah. Um, and once again, you, you know, I know you've had a conversation on the show talking about attract screens, etc. Now this is something where you know people would be playing it, and you would instantaneously recognise this tune playing in the background. Like, oh, they're playing Angry Birds because so many people went through that phase. Uh, do I think it's a great piece of um, music? I think it straddles the boundaries. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it's certainly an earworm, and you know I know some of the stuff that we've played uh, previously on Kane and Rinse has been you know somewhat left field, and I kind of love embracing that side of what we do. Uh, we do it both in the main show about games, and uh, I think it's great when we do it here in the uh, the music show. Um, 
the track I've actually gone for isn't just the one that comes straight off the phone, uh, be it Android, iPhone, or whatever. Or easy made to the the consoles eventually, didn't it? But uh, I've gone for the London Philharmonic Orchestra version, um, purely because I don't know. It maybe gives it a little bit more gravitas. Uh, there's some you know, beautifully played, and it kind of once again makes me laugh that it's made its way to to such a renowned orchestra playing this on stage with uh, I'm sure some of the, the greats of Halos, etc. Um, it was done by now you have to help me with this, uh, Leon. Is it Ari Pukinen? Pukinen. Strangely, he who created the soundtracks to both Super Stardust HD, Resogun, Trine uh, 1 and 2, uh, and was there was one more? Um, Out there. Damnation, of course. He, he basically does everything Housemark oh, do. Right. Um, so they're, they're a Finnish studio, and he is a Finnish man, and Rovio are Finnish too, oh. so it's, mm. it's, all, it's, all, it's all about Finland. But I'm sure not loads of people would have known that you know, he's responsible for those soundtracks, and that, that they are great games and also have great soundtracks. Um, any one of those games I could have picked a track from uh, and, and put it into the show, but uh, I've gone for uh, the original. <laughs> Angry Birds main uh, main theme by the London Philharmonic Orchestra.
Yeah, and Super Stardust uh, HD actually has multiple soundtrack options because they released a pack, didn't they, where you could play, you mm. could have the original Amiga uh, tunes, which I'm not sure if Ari Pulkinen actually composed back in the early 90s. Um, I'm, uh, it may have been somebody else, but they did not like a, a, a modern version, an orchestra version, all different versions of the same soundtrack, which I thought was quite cool. I wonder if, uh, <laughs> I wonder if they'll use that version that we've just heard of the Angry Birds main theme <laughs> when the film comes out. There's already a TV show. <laughs> so, yeah. So this, this film, this movie, this, this is like all games. It's been optioned, you know, um, yeah. this, this game is now six mm-hmm. years old. Uh, and do you remember the times back in about say 2010 where shops were full of Angry Birds merchandise. Oh my and, God, yes. Yeah. Uh, board games and T-shirts and socks and everything. and everything. That, I expect it seemed like a pretty good time to make a film about Angry Birds then, right? But, uh, it's, but isn't it one of the, it's the, that breakout title, isn't it? It's the ones where many game developers have tried it. And to see just this, you know, I'd say some people would say it's a, a rip-off game, but, you know, a, a small game on a mobile device just absolutely changed the way the industry, once again, was, uh, oh, yeah. was heading. Um, I mean, and, it, yeah. It definitely wasn't original in no, in, no. in its concept, but uh, but for whatever reason, people yeah, it just it just caught re- on in a big. I way. remember uh, a couple of years afterwards going to a birthday party at my brother's, and uh, it was an Angry Birds birthday party, and everybody <laughs> right. was throwing birds at a great big statue at the end. It's yeah, it was one of those cultural yeah. mm. phenomenons, and I don't know, there's just something that about that tune that came on today, and I was like. Yep, I'm going to put Bioshock 2 to one side and put this one to one side. <laughs> yeah. I'm bringing this to the table. I actually think it's, it's... no weirder than Shorts, come on. <laughs> no, I actually think, um, I actually think the, the orchestra version there actually shows up what a good composition mm. it is because it has all the, um, the vibe and atmosphere of like something from a fairy tale or, you know, it, 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 it reminds me a little bit of some of Grant Kirkhope's stuff from, mm-hmm. from the Rare games. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's got a bit of a polka feel to it, which I quite like. Um, and yeah, it could easily be the theme tune to a, like a, a, a children's film about not angry birds, but you know, about some witches and woods and things like that. Um, so I actually think that's, uh, yeah, I think that's quite decent. Um, yeah, interesting pick. I like it. Yeah. Thumbs up. Uh, now for more jollity from me, um, and this came about because one of the other tracks on the LP record I mentioned earlier is a remix of uh, Let's Go to Pow Pow Island, uh, which most people I think will know as the tune from Puzzle Bobble, a.k.a. Mm. Buster Move. So. I've played, I, I reckon I've played like eight, nine versions of Puzzle Bobble, different sequels and incarnations and clones probably actually take it up to well beyond that. But the original tune that played when you first played it at the arcade or on Neo Geo, it was the same game, of course, back in 1994, uh, was the Puzzle Bobble theme. And uh, it was by Kazuko Umino, one of, uh, one of Taito's um, in-house team, which by default, makes him a member of the legendary Zuntata, the Taito in-house band. Now, th- this was quite a big hit when I brought Zuntata to the mix here before when we did uh, Daddy Mulk from uh, the Ninja Warriors. Even Sean here was oh, moved I... to tweet about it. <laughs> uh, and so what I've got here is Let's Go to Pow Pow Island, the, the, the original first tune from Puzzle Bobble, as played by Zuntata live in 1998. <laughs> Thank you. 
that's another one of those tunes that you wouldn't necessarily think you could expand into a into a four and a half minute uh, <laughs> uh, groovy um, holiday vibe sweet but uh, but they did that and uh, yes and sadly I, I i don't really know if zuntata exists anymore because taito got absorbed into mm. square um and obviously you know square enix idos mm. taito they're all kind of one big conglomerate thing now and um that said i think taito the taito label does still put out some arcade stuff in in japan so maybe Maybe Zuntata is still with us in some form. I like to think so. They live on on YouTube anyway. <laughs> right, now we uh, close this show with something of a treat. And I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by this because, Sean, have you been hiding your light under a bush all, mean? all these years? Or, well, <laughs> as I had no idea you had any uh, musical Oh, yeah, I, mate, or... I've got a degree in sonic art, so I'm... <laughs> <laughs> that actually, oh, okay. I did know that, but I'd never... I'd never connected the the degree in sonic art with the actually mm. makes music because normally people and I and I don't say this negatively I know quite a few of them on Twitter people who make music t- talk about it all the time <laughs> I've not uh, I mean I've not really uh, made anything for a long time um it it's sure. something I should probably get back on because you know like people say oh you know it's never too late to pick up new skills um well it turns out you yeah. can forget them as well like, like I, yeah. I hear things oh, yes. I did, you know, 10 years ago, and I, I genuinely have no clue um, how I managed it. So it is something I should yeah. probably um, not allow myself to get rusty on. But um, I, I didn't do a huge amount with this. So this is, um, sure. this is the main theme uh, from Where Is My Heart, um, uh, which was a PlayStation Mini. Do you remember those? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've still got this installed on my Vita because why would yeah, you yeah, have absolutely. it installed on your Vita? Um, it's game by uh, Die Gute Fabrik, which I may have just butchered the pronunciation of. Uh, Danish studio, uh, now more, much more famous for um, putting sports friends together. And I, think, I think they only made uh, yeah. Johann Sebastian Joust, but they were sort of they were responsible for um, putting the, uh, the compilation together, as it were. Um, yeah, the composer right. is Alessandro Coronas. Um, who I don't think he's in house because he's 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 actually Italian, um, but he's he's done a couple of things with uh, Degut Fabri because he he did like all the music for like all the menus and stuff on Sports Friends, um, yeah, as well as this. Um, what uh, the reason I've picked this and the, the reason it's a bit special um, is because this is obviously the main theme. It appears in the game um, and it's a lovely piece of music. And I was I was going to pick it anyway, um, and then. When I was looking into it, the soundtrack has um, an acoustic version of the same song. And I was listening to it, and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm pretty sure that's the exact same tempo. So as an experiment, I thought I'd just play the original and the acoustic version side by side, and it fits perfectly um, and sounds really nice. Um, like I, I'm kind of a yeah. sucker for um, real, in, you know, quote, unquote, real instruments and sort of chiptune stuff um, combined. Mm. Uh, like I enjoy a lot of Anna Managuchi's stuff. Um, it was difficult not to pick something from the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack. I think you've already done that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, we yeah. have, although there's nothing to say <laughs> you couldn't have done. But I think this, yeah. this is a um, treat. So yeah, so basically play these side by side, and uh, it works absolutely beautifully. I was uh, really pleased with it. So uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. All right.
we will uh, we will close out the show with that. Um, but before we do, as you've heard, once again, this is 19 of these now. It's not just about what we like. Oh, no. So please continue to venture over to our forum at canerince.com uh, where you can request your favourites. And we will, of course, continue to include a selection in each podcast that is called Sound of Play. Uh, so, yeah, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Tony and Sean and to leave you with this rather delightful, uh, cool-ass remix of the main theme of Where Is My Heart, originally by Alessandro Coronas. <laughs> 